Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Breakfast is sponsored by David Galapo, dedicated for the safety of Eris Israel. Also sponsored by Leah and Freddie Ini, in honor of the Kahal and wishing the entire Kahal Aslaha. Okay, Rabbi we have a very interesting story um, uh, in our parasha, and I want to share with you what I think is a very powerful learning, a bit of learning, if you will, that comes from this idea. Um, there's, uh, it was a tremendous rabbi, his name was the Maharil Diskin. He uh, was called the Saraf, you know, Mibrisk. He was like the, uh, he was this very, very, very bright, very sharp Tamil Chacham, but also had a tremendous uh, uh, chesed, uh, that, uh, uh, chesed, a way of chesed about him. But he was very, very fiery, like his name. He was fiery about what the right thing to do was, and he always stood up for the right thing, even if it wasn't necessarily popular. One day he's in the Beit Knesset, all of a sudden, he sees a police officer walk into the Knis. The Gabai looks at the police officer, doesn't even say anything. He doesn't ask him anything, the police doesn't ask him. The Gabai walks up to the Aron Kodesh, opens up the Aron Kodesh, takes out Sefer Torah, hands it to the cop. Russian, non-Jewish, cop. The guy takes the, car, the Sefer Torah, turns around, starts walking out. The rabbi turns to the guy standing next to him. He says, what in the world's going on? I never saw this in my life. He says, I'll, te- I'll tell you. He goes, in, in the court systems here, you have times when people are being called to testify, and they have to say, raise your right hand, you know, place your left hand upon... You know the 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 whatever it is the uh, the New Testament or whatever the the book book of the Goyim. So when Jews go, they have to swear on a on a holy book. The court wants to make sure that they're not lying. So when the guy says, you know, I'm Jewish, I'm, I can't swear on the Christian Bible. So they send the policeman to the to the to the shul, and they come and they bring the Sefer Torah. And we know we know what the guy Gabai already knows because oh, otherwise. Why is a Russian police officer walking into the Knis for the 8 o'clock minyan? Minen the win. Okay, so uh, the, the Sefer Torah is now in the hands of the Russian police officer and the guy's walking out the door. The, the, the uh, Maril Diskin runs after the, the shoter. He taps him on the shoulder. He says, excuse me. Takes the Sefer Torah out of his hands. And he walks back, puts in the Aron Kodesh. Tells the guy, give me the key. He takes the key. He says, you're no longer in charge of the Sefer Torah. The key's in my pocket. Chalas. The policeman says, uh, um, doesn't say anything. The rabbi took the Sefer Torah. He leaves. An hour later, the policeman comes back to the Beth Knesset, asks to speak to the Maril Diskin. He says, the court of the uh, great country, the Russian court, would like to see you and have a few words. You know, that's a very short you know, way of saying, you know, your life is in danger. <laughs> okay? Guy comes to the court. The police, the, uh, you know, everything is done very formally. You know, it's not that the guy doesn't scream, yell. It's all in code. So the judge says to the, the Maril Diskin, he says, do you understand what you did? We sent an officer of the court to the Jewish uh, temple to get a book. You took the book out of his hands and you sent him away. What kind of a disgrace do you realize the level of your offense? You get sent to Siberia for much less. The Maril Diskin says to the, the judge, he says, Your Honor, he says, allow me to explain. He says, you are a judge, 
it is your job to uphold the sanctity of the law. Is that correct? The judge says, absolutely. He says, I want you to imagine that uh, aside from being a judge, you also were given another job by the government. Is that something that happens? The judge says, sure. Many judges have multiple jobs. He says, okay. He says, so I want you to imagine you're in charge of the antiquities, of the treasures of the Russian, uh, of the, of the Russian uh, uh, government. And all of a sudden, a guy knocks on the door of the palace. You open the door, and the, pa- and the guy says, um, I would like to borrow the golden crown of Peter the Great, one of the great Russian kings. What do you want the crown of? For who? For what? For where? You know, he says, well, there's a convict in prison. Uh, he decided that he wants to swear on the crown of the Russian people. So the, the, would, you, would you let him take it? So the man says, the judge says, I'm really sorry, but the crown of Peter the Great is kept on the vault, on the locking key. It sits in a vault. No one takes it out. The only time it ever gets taken out is in order to uh, crown the new monarch. Is when they make someone a new king, then they take it out. It's part of the ceremonial uh, you know, procedure, the pomp and circumstance of a, uh, of a crowning. And for such a thing, then we'll take out the crown. For anything else, you think we're going to take out the crown of Peter the Great for some criminal, cause he, just because he asked for it? The, the Maril Diskin says, I feel exactly the same way as you do. Now for us, the crown of the Jewish people is the Sefer Torah. It's kept under lock and key. No one is allowed to take it out for any other, any just any reason. In fact, what people are not aware is there's many halachot that surround the Sefer Torah. You don't just decide, we're going to take a Sefer, I want to have a minyan in my house. You know, Friday night minyan with Mazah is not enough. I want to have a minyan Shabbat morning in my house. Bring the Sefer Torah. Who are you? Sefer Torah should come for you yesterday. Someone was carrying, two days ago, wherever we're at, two days ago I think it was, someone was carrying the Sefer. And as I was walking back with the Sefer, I noticed that there was a guy standing three feet like out of the path of the Sefer from the Bima back to the Aron. And instead of slowing down so the guy could kiss it, the guy holding the Sefer, he walked to the other guy so he could kiss it and then he walked back. That's incorrect. The Torah doesn't deviate from its path for you. You come to give honor to the Sefer. The whole point of kissing is to show that you're showing your respect. You don't ask the Sefer to come to you. It's not appropriate. He says, because some convict asked for the Sefer Torah, I should let them walk with the holy Sefer Torah through the streets. Who knows what the Sefer Torah is being, is witness to, is coming into contact with. Mabarif, can't do it. The judge says, I completely understand. I saw that the Sefer Ma'ayan Hashem, where he says something unbelievable. He says, every one of us could relate to that idea. Yeah, could we relate to that? Imagine someone came to you and says, I'm having an event. I want centerpieces. Could we take all the Sefer Torahs that are made out of silver, I'm going to put them in the middle of all the tables of my, uh, for my Brit Milah. Would you do it? Of course not. It's not an adornment. It's not a nice piece. It's something which has great sanctity and great Kiddushah. But what is the Kiddushah of the Sefer Torah? The Kiddushah of the Sefer Torah is not the silver case. In many ways, it's not the parchment and it's not the letters. It's the content which is 
held within the pages, the scroll of the Sefer Torah, which gives the Sefer Torah its Kedushah. Moshe Rabbeinu in Parashat Yitro goes up to get the Luchot. Later on we're going to read something about these, about these Luchot. And by the way, the whole of the world goes silent. We're going to read, it's unbelievable. There's fire burning, you know, on the mountain. There's smoke, there's darkness, there's, you know, sounds of shofar. Unbelievable sound and light show for the Luchot. You can't even believe how the whole world goes quiet to hear this unbelievable giving of the Luchot. And yet, Rabotai, when the Jewish people sinned with the golden calf, we read about how Moshe Rabbeinu took the Luchot, so holy, so holy they sit where? We say even in the Kodesh HaKodashim in the Aron. Look at what went in, as we always say. But that's a simple understanding. Shivrei Luchot, that's where they are. How does Moshe break them? And the answer is, the Gemara tells us that the letters that were engraved in the, in the Luchot, they departed. Otiyot porchot ba'avir. The letters flew heavenward. What that means is, at the Kiddushah of the Luchot, even if it was inscribed by God, even if, you know, ta, 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 if the letters are not there, if the content is not there, it's not a holy object. The holiness of that object, if you remove the letters and remove the content, is to ascribe holiness and importance to something which is physical. That is dangerously close, our Sefarim say, to Avodah Zarah. Because if it's not holy for another reason, you're giving it holiness just as a physical object, that's not an appropriate thing. Many Sefarim written about this. So I want to share with you this, the power of this idea. Whenever any one of us sees a Sefer Torah, what do we do? We jump out of our chair and we go to kiss it. We jump out of our chair. We were just learning in one of the groups the, the words of the Pele Yoetz. And he says how, he quotes the Gemara over there in the, when he's talking about the Kavod of Talmidei Chachamim. How silly some people are, he says. That they run and they jump out of their seat to kiss the Sefer, the Sefer Torah, but they don't jump out of their seat to show respect to Talmidei Chachamim. A Talmid Chacham is no less than a walking, living, breathing Sefer Torah. So the concept of a Sefer Torah is the mitzvot, is the Torah that it represents. How could it be that we jump out of our chairs to honor a Sefer, a book of the Torah, but when it comes time, we get a chance to do a mitzvah, we're able to sit sitting in our seat. How could that be? We're missing the point. What the Saraf Mibrisk, what he was saying, the Maril Diskin was saying is, you can't just use the Torah willy-nilly. It has to be done with a tremendous amount of respect, with awe. It's so important. Our mitzvot need to be done with the, uh, with the appropriate level of kavod and respect. Rabotai, these letters that are there in the Torah, they are able to penetrate. The kavod of the Torah is able to penetrate anything. It's one of the great lessons of the Luchot itself. Our rabbis tell us that had we not sinned with the golden calf, had we been able to retain the luchot that we got in this week's parasha, the yetzer hara would never have been able to have any hold over us. The malach hamavet, death was eradicated from the world. They lost it almost immediately. Uh, but had why? How could that be? Why? Because since the writing of the luchot over here that was that was given in parashat Yitro, 
The writing in the Luchot was different in the first Luchot to the second. Moshe Rabbeinu engraves in the second Luchot. Pesol Lecha. But in the first Luchot, they were written by the finger of God. As we are taught by Achachamim, the letters penetrated from one side through to the other. That wasn't just a magic trick that God did. Look at what I could do. I could engrave letters. Look what I could do. I could make a miracle. Why? There are letters in the Aseret Dibrot that are impossible, impossible to exist. You have a letter, a Mem Sofit. The middle of the Mem has nothing to support it because on each side is all engraved. So you engrave a Mem, the whole middle is floating in midair. Miraculous. But why did God do that? As we already said last week, Hashem never does miracles that are unnecessary. So why did He do that? And the answer is so powerful. It was incredibly necessary. It was the idea of eradicating the hold of the Malach HaMavet, of the Yetzirah in this world. Why? Because He took something physical and He allowed Torah to penetrate it from side to side. There was no part of this physical stone that had not been penetrated by the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What that means is that a human being could also have been penetrated completely and utterly by the words of Torah to the point where the Yetzirah held no sway over him, couldn't tempt him to do anything. But we lost that in, that, in those moments. Had we been able to hold on to never would have had uh, any more Yetzirah or Malach HaMavet in our world. Rabotai, this is true uh, of us as adults, that we have the capacity of being able to turn to Torah, to, retur- to turn to Torah and to return to Torah. And I'd like maybe just to end with this. There was a certain rabbi, his name was, I think his name was Rabbi uh, uh, Sklar. He was, his job was he worked for the Torah Institutes in Eretz Israel as a, a person who went from school to school to ensure that the kids' learning was on par. They would give, uh, in Yiddish they would say, a farher. What does that mean? They would give you a test. What Gemara is the class learning? They're learning, uh, okay, open the Gemara everybody. He'd go and ask a question on the Gemara. You know, he'd ask them for an a-, a good answer. He'd ask them what their opinions were in the Gemara. And he would see if the kids were up to par. There was one kid in one of the schools, let's use the name Rahamim, okay, it's not his real name. There's one kid, Rahamim, that the, the, the Bochen, the guy used to give the test, he was always incredibly impressed. There was never a time the kid didn't know what was going on on the page. His answers were always sharp to the point. He always asked great questions. And he was looking forward each time when he came to this particular school to get a chance to interview and to uh, speak to that class because this kid, Rahamim, never disappointed. And he said, you know what, I'm going to keep tabs on this boy. I want to see where he goes. I want to see what he becomes. I have great and high hopes for him. One day he comes to the school and he walks into the class and he gives the, the, the test to everybody and the kids are doing well. Baruch Hashem, everyone's great. But this boy, Rahamim, is not there. So he asks in the classroom, where's Rahamim? There's a little mumbling in the class. People are embarrassed. They're whispering to one another. Nobody answers. So again, where's Rahamim? Nobody answers. He goes to the principal. He says, you know, I look forward every time when I come to the speak in the school, to ask the questions in the school, to this one boy. And I came in and he wasn't here. And the principal says, it was a very sad story. Very sad story. What happened? He said, this boy, Rahamim, um, he's genius. 
very hard worker, good kid. But somehow he made friends with some uh, ruffian on the streets. The guy showed him a couple of tricks, a couple of different things in life. And next thing you know, the kid, he completely disappeared uh, from, uh, from the Beit Midrash, completely disappeared from the classes to the point where he actually was caught by the police, breaking in, they caught him red-handed, breaking into somebody's house on Yom Kippur. He knew where all the, that all the people were away praying in the synagogue. So he used that time to break into an apartment and, uh, and to steal. They found the richest guy in the shul. They knew no one would be home. They took the opportune time and uh, it broke in. The police happened to be in the neighborhood. The alarm went off. They got him red-handed in the act. This boy, Rahamim, they took him off uh, to juvie. Humiliated. Humiliated. He obviously couldn't bear, everybody found out, he couldn't bear to show his face in school anymore after that. So the school asked, they, he, the parents asked the school, is there any way you could ask for a transfer to another school in another city where nobody knows his name, they don't know his face, he'll go there on the QT and maybe he'll, uh, he'll you know, start getting into it again. And, uh, and the principal says to the, God, to the rabbi, he says, shame. You know, he could have been someone great. And the rabbi takes the case file, he closes the book, and he says, anyway, Shabbat Shalom. The guy, he's walking home, this tester, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, close the binder. What's with this kid? That's it, chalas, he made a mistake, throw him out, and you, you don't even think about him again? And obviously, no one here is, they're not there to blame the principal. People have their plates full, you know, uh, as is. They don't have to chase up kids that are even in another school. But for this guy, he didn't belong to a school. A lot of times people, they judge their responsibility based on their position. This is not my job, it's not my job. Yeah, but it's your job to be a human being. This guy, he didn't work for a single school. So he could think about the kid, the person as a human. He says, I gotta do something about this. He sends the kid a letter. He says, dear Hamim, I heard, I went to the school today. I was looking forward to seeing you. You always have the best questions, the best answers. And they told me that you transferred to another school. I heard good things about that school. I hope that the move is beneficial. I hope it helps you when you're studying and you're growing. He says, but I'll be honest, I missed the chance to hear so many good questions and good answers from you. He says, here's a hundred shekel. I know you're, you're staying away from home. You're in a dormitory now in another yeshiva. He goes, I'm sure you might, you, you know, you're short of funds. Here's a hundred shekel to spend. Write me back. Send me a question on what you're learning. So looking forward to hear from you. Anyway, the kid gets this letter. He bursts into uncontrollable sobbing. You know, he's in this place, he can't lift his head up, he's so embarrassed. And the whole time, he's thinking that everyone in the school, the only thing they're talking about is him. That's what every kid thinks. Every kid thinks they made a mistake, everyone knows about their mistake, everyone's talking about them. When you get a little bit older, you realize not so many people are talking about you. When you get older, you realize no one gives a darn. You know, it's, uh, everyone's busy with their own life. No one cares about you, right? Either way, but this kid, at that point, you know, he was, it was debilitating. And he says to himself, oh my gosh, this guy, he came to the school and he was looking forward to meeting me. And clearly he doesn't even know what happened. Nobody told him. He hasn't put it in a letter. He writes him back a great question. He says, thank you so much. Yeah, I used to love also when you came to test us. It was so much fun. Da -da -da -da. Here's a great question. 
The guy writes back, what a great question. Here's an answer. Here's another hundred shekel. Anything you need, write me. Why don't we do this every Rosh Chodesh? When I would have come to test you in your old school, you know, I can't go get all the way out there. Write to me. And Until the boy, slowly but surely, you know, winds up learning more and more and more. Has someone that doesn't see him for his mistakes, but sees him for the positive side of himself. And eventually winds up becoming a, a Rebbe, a teacher in the school system in Eretz Israel, a tremendous Talmud Chacham. Rabotai, in the Torah, when God gives the Luchot, He says to the Jewish people, li am and you will be li sigula mikola. I mean, you're going to be for me, you know, a treasure from all of the peoples on earth. A kingdom of priests, goy kadosh. We're so impressed. You're amazing. You know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? The Jewish people in Mitzrayim, they let they went down to the 49th level of Tumah. You know what's funny? I always thought about this. In the Torah, you do not find, you do not find one pasuk telling you about how bad the Jews were in Egypt. We have dirashot. We have, we learn out from here. It doesn't say that in the Torah. You know, at Erom which we quote all the time, they had no mitzvot. Where do you find? It's in the Haggadah. It's not in the Torah. In the Torah, they got a letter from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You guys are the best. Mafi, Mitlak, unbelievable. You're Sadiqim, you're priests, you're kings, you're the best ever. Nobody mentions. 49th level of Tumah? Nothing. Isn't that unbelievable, Rabotai? The whole, if there's a dirasha, you learn it out. But to say it straight out, you don't find. Rabotai, I want to share. Part of the Kiddushah of the Sefer Torah is the specific mitzvot that God says. Hashem says, do this, don't do this. Go here, don't go here. Eat this, look at that, smell this. All the mitzvot of the Torah, the Torah says a person has to, it doesn't have to do. Those commandments are holiness of Torah. But besides for it, are the lessons that the Torah teaches us as to how to live our lives. That's what makes us holy. Every time we say, God sanctifies us through the mitzvot. When the person does a mitzvot, when they study Torah, they learn how to be holy, how to be different. They learn how to look at someone who's terrible and not even mention it, but to recognize in that person something beautiful and to raise, raise them up. That's part of the kiddushah of the Torah. If someone wrote a Torah for you and all he put in it was the mitzvot and the averot, a list, mitzvot, averot, would that have the kiddushah of a sefer Torah? No. The lessons that we learn from the Torah as the Torah talks, as the Torah describes, are also incredibly important. And I'll end with this exact line. Just this one line, Rabotai, because I think that this is really powerful. The Mishnah in Avot says, Hatken atzmecha, prepare yourself to learn Torah. What does it mean, prepare yourself to learn Torah? Just learn Torah. What do you have to prepare yourself to learn Torah? I don't prepare myself to eat breakfast. I just eat it. Eat the breakfast. Hatken atzmecha means that how you learn Torah depends on how you came into the class. If you come into the class to listen to the rabbi tell you a couple stories and jokes, then what'd you walk out with? A couple stories and a joke. If you came to the Torah class in order to learn how to benefit your life, then the story or the joke highlighted the point, helped you understand it, it humanized the mitzvah, it made it relevant, it made it accessible. But every class, every time we go, we should sit in front of a class of Torah and say to ourselves, the Torah I would stand for, I would jump for, I would kiss. The words of Torah the same way, we have to show respect. And the respect that you show Torah is that when you come, you come to listen. How can I change? How can I improve? How can I become better?